It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. When I went through the rules package, and, you know, I love these tools, right? Control-F, you can search for a term, 55 pages. I thought, quick search, let's see where it is. And I searched for term limits. I searched for the word limits. Neither to be found in the 55 pages of the rules package. Uh, Bernie Moreno, old friend of the show, Ohio State Chair for U.S. Term Limits, uh, joins me. Uh, House Republican leadership is going to bring up a vote for resolution on congressional term limits. It's not in the rules package, Bernie, so help us out here. What's going on? Well, David, thank you for having me. It's always great to be on your show. Always great conversation. Uh, you wouldn't find something like that in the actual rules because the rules are the mechanism of how the House operates. But what uh, Speaker McCarthy's agreed to do is to bring that vote up as a simple resolution of uh, the, on the floor. So it wouldn't it, you wouldn't expect to see it in the rules package. All right. So that's answer number one. Now, are we going to get a vote? And then we'll discuss where it goes from there. I think we do get a vote, and I think it's critical because one of the things that you've seen, that your audience has seen, is too many times elect people running for elected office will say one thing and then do something completely different in Washington, D.C. They never get put on the record. So term limits is popular by 80 percent of all Americans, Democrats, independents, Republicans. And it's important to see your elected official to say, how do you feel about this issue? Are you voting for it or against it? And they've been uh, very coy to uh, prevent having that up and down vote. And I think that's what we're going to get, which is really going to be instructive to voters to know where where their representatives stand. All right. So I'm doing a little bit of David Webb pretzel logic here with you, Bernie, but we've talked to each other. So I go back to your first point. And I ask these for a reason. Sometimes I actually think about these things. Can you imagine that? Because they can set up subcommittees within the rules package, right, on specific issues, such as our relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. I think that's a good one. They could also do the same for having a or having a subcommittee, especially considering there is actually a rules committee on term limits. You could have term limits for committee chairs. You can have term limits for members of Congress. If they really wanted a substantial effort to plant the flag on real term limits or the potential for an ongoing term limits discussion and, I don't know, potential action, even at least in the House to start, they could have put it in the rules package. Uh, The way I see it, you tell me how you see it. Even if they were to pass it overwhelmingly in the House, it goes nowhere in the Senate or to Biden's desk. Am I wrong? No, you're right. And <clears throat> just remember, uh, the you need two thirds majority in the House to pass it. So, the, so what the vote isn't about necessarily passing the resolution for term limits, but showing the constituents where their own representatives stand on this issue. So, I agree with you. I think you're going to see uh, this probably uh, pass. Uh, with a majority, but not hit the two-thirds threshold. But now you're going to have a lot of representatives, as, as the expression goes, uh, have a lot of explaining to do to their constituents as to why they voted against that. And the same with the Senate. They can go to the Senate and say, hey, why didn't you take that vote up? And they have to explain to their voters why they didn't do that. 
See, and I'm, I'm with you 100% on the vote for the record. I would like to see that on all bills, but back to what you and I have talked about before in regular order, and many people now understand better, right? Individual votes, you understand where they stand, and I'm all for that. Okay, so let's go to another turn in the pretzel. I don't know why. I like pretzels, by the way. I like going to the beer garden, having a pretzel, a nice warm pretzel, lots of sea salt. Anyway, some mustard. But a little bit more of David's pretzel logic with Bernie here, because another turn of the pretzel is that by doing this, vote, and as you say accurately, in polling across and over time, 80% of Americans uh, don't like their Congress members, their four-term limits. Could this help turn the tide in the discussion uh, and then push it back to the American people, the voters? Like, if you are four-term limits, it's in the Constitution, it's called the election, and you can put it in play. Well, you have to uh, create a constitutional amendment. That's what the Supreme Court ruled. So the way to, there's two ways to do that. Either Congress acts the way we're talking about now or what, what I've been working on, which is to get states to sign on to an Article 5 convention around just the topic of term limits. And then that resolution would be passed by the states to create a constitutional amendment. We did that for president, as you know, after Roosevelt. Uh, we have a term limit for, for president. Uh, we don't have it for Congress. Uh, we, we need to have it. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, this idea is very simple, David, as you know. There's things that make sense in real-life America, and there's things that make sense in real-life D.C., which is very, very different. And so what happens is when you've been there too long, things that don't make sense to normal people all of a sudden start making sense to you. And that's what the corruption is of being there for 15, 20, 30, 40 years it's, it's just too much. We have a representative in Ohio. She's been in Congress for 40 years, in Congress for 40 years. Her reality of what she thinks are real issues is very different than what the average person in Ohio thinks is a real issue. And that's why we have to get people to have energy around going there, getting some things done, attempting to make change, and then going home and living under those same rules that they just passed. That's what our founders had in mind. Yeah. And you don't want to pick on what's her name? Uh, is that Marcy? Not Mar- uh, Marcy Captor, yeah. Master Marcy Captor. Yeah. By the way, I've got one worse for you. It's Michigan, the Dingle family. <laughs> that's, that's a there century. You <laughs> when, when you've been represented by the same family over three members now, Debbie Dingle, and if she serves out her full term, you know, expected term, a century. That that's just disgraceful. It really no, is. because again, you lose perspective on reality. I'll give you. I'll give you a, a perfect example. Uh, your listeners may not be fully aware of this. Our asylum laws allow somebody to come to America in person and claim asylum. Pretty straightforward. We understand why that is. It's not. It, you can't just come here and say I want a job or I want a better economic situation. You have to say you're being persecuted in your home country. So you seek asylum. The law has. A, a paragraph, a sentence in it that says you can claim asylum whether you entered the country through a port, a legal port of entry or otherwise. Imagine in normal world America, you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Let's make it so the only way you can claim asylum is to do it the proper legal way through a designated port of entry. Just delete that little parentheses in the law. It would take, it would be a seven, maybe sentence bill. That hasn't happened in 30 years because in D.C., what is normal is for horse trading to happen. I will do that if you give me 
this. A normal American would say, no, we have to protect America. We have to do what's right for the country. It doesn't, I don't need to give you anything in exchange for you doing the right thing for our country. That's how normal people think. It's not how people who've been in D.C. too long think. So real world, if I'm reading you correctly, uh, we'll have a vote. Uh, probably party line vote. I'm not even sure if all Republicans would vote for it. We'll see. We'll see if even some Democrats who've said before their four term limits show up. Uh, I'm also in a bit of a conundrum on this because, you know, we, the people, have failed to enact term limits as provided to us by going in and voting the bums out at times. And there's a lot of bums up there on both sides at times. So we get this vote. We get them on the record. Maybe it's brought up in the Senate and goes somewhere, but uh, I, I'm trying to picture Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. <laughs> was, you know, we're going to have a vote on term limits. <laughs> I, 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 the picture's not coming to me. <laughs> your, your, your picture—that's you, a hard picture to imagine. Yeah. No, look, not to make light of it, you and I have known each other too long and we talk and you got to sometimes have a little bit of a snark and sarcasm and a laugh with it. But these are serious efforts that you've been championing for years. I like what you say about the Convention of States as well, because as you and I have probably talked about before more than once, groups have to work together to get things done. And we're at a point where if they won't change in Congress. We must change it. And if we don't do our job as citizens, then we need a mechanism to have that change happen. And that's terminal. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the Citizens United opened up the floodgates for money and politics. And the reality is, if you're an incumbent, you have an insane advantage over somebody who's, who's trying to challenge you. In this last Senate cycle, we just went through every single solitary Senate incumbent won re-election. In the House, I think it was like 90, 95 percent of, uh, of incumbent Congress people won re-election. The power of incumbency is just too big. Uh, the money's in, immense. Uh, the power that comes with it's immense. So to be a challenger to an incumbent isn't what it should be. And that's where I think the voters are at a disadvantage because you're, you're a single voter up against a machine, up against just hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of money being spent to keep the status quo status quo politician in place. So in theory, it'd be great if we could just exercise our vote and throw them out. But in reality, because of the money involved in politics, it's just almost impossible. It's been proven out over 60 years. It's, it's consistently over 90 plus percent of incumbents get reelected. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there. It's fact. And it's across all levels of our politics, which comes down to also changing those within the political system and how it functions. Bernie, keep up the great work. Uh, You're a champion for this. And I I look forward to that vote. I really do, because I want people on the record where they stand. And, And, you know, here's an interesting thought. Match up where they stand and where their vote comes down with their incumbency factor. And then you probably get some correlation there. Absolutely. And your voters can call their Congress uh, uh, representative, congressional representative, and encourage them to have that vote brought up on the floor. That would be something that would be very helpful. Yeah. Let's see where they stand. And if they believe I'm only going to go to Congress to do the people's business. Say that with any inflection, any tone or whatever you want. We hear that enough. Bernie Moreno, Ohio State Chair for U.S. Term Limits. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you, David. All right.
You can join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.